doing what we call our Thanksgiving through Story and Song Sunday. And uh, that means that we're taking most of our time together to sing to our King and to sing of the good things that He's done in our lives and, and particularly what He's done for us through Christ Jesus and in saving us and making us part of His family. And we're also going to hear a number of stories from people that are part of our family uh, and, and how God has been working in their hearts and in their lives and what He's been teaching them about this year uh, as they've walked through a lot of life. And so we'll be hearing from three different families this morning and, uh, and spending quite a bit of time singing. So I'm sure people will roll in as, uh, as we go along because we're not used to starting, you know, so, so quickly on time. But uh, let me pray, <laughs> and, uh, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you that you are a God of grace who gives good gifts to your children. Thank you that we have evidence in all kinds of ways of your goodness in our lives. In particular, you gave what was most precious to you, which is your son, Jesus. Thank you that in him we are adopted into your family, that we are, are matured to, to look like the image bearers that you created us to be, and we are empowered to live new lives that point to you as the source of all good things. And so God, I pray that you'd come and be among us this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come and, and dwell in our hearts, teach us uh, even through singing, and remind us of things that we need to hear and experience of you again. Uh, pray that you'd be working in the people that do share this morning and that you would uh, give us a sense of your activity uh, in and among us so that we could give you glory and praise. Father, we, we invite you here and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We're going to let those praises ring out to the Lord right now. So if you want to stand up and clap your hands and sing with us, this would be the time. As I said earlier, uh, before everybody showed up, <laughs> we, uh, we take uh, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving to share stories and uh, to sing of the greatness of our God. Uh, and uh, the, the theme of this, at least for this year, comes out of Psalm 145. Uh, and verse 3 and following say this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. And so we, we love to take at least one Sunday a year where we just reflect on the goodness of our God to us and his great works. And, and just have some people from our family share uh, some of what God has been up to in their particular stories. So we have three of them today that are going to share. Uh, James and, uh, and his wife Dina couldn't be here this morning, but they, they've been uh, having a, a, a very uh, interesting story <laughs> in 2015. So uh, we're, we're going to have these um, kind of throughout the morning. We're going to have people share, and then we're going to have folks pray for them. So James is going to go first. Thanks, James. Good morning, family. You look fantastic. You look fantastic. I just want to make sure you, you heard that. Um, 
So, uh, you know, when, when I had kind of re reflected back on this year, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that, that really just kind of tell me about how I'm not in control and a, a lot of ways that I'm really grateful for that, right? So um, I think it wasn't that long ago that I was standing up here with my wife where we were talking about the beginning part of the story uh, earlier on where we experienced some challenges. And now, listening through this series, particularly as we kind of understand and we unpack what it really means to be a family, uh, I, I think that the, this kind of comes at a really great time to be able to share this with you. But uh, as far as a, what my family looks like right now from a traditional point of view, I guess, if you say. So, like, I'm one of seven children, um, and uh, I just, my brother had a, uh, his um, a daughter last week, so that's 14 grandchildren at the moment for my parents. And um, uh, and then my wife is one of eight, and uh, I think that there are also seven uh, grandchildren on their end. So I'm the, uh, the old-fashioned Irish Catholic, didn't really believe in contraception, seven kids. <laughs> Where my wife is more of the traditional, or nowadays with uh, re, um, you know divorce and remarried, and also through adoption as well. So, interestingly enough, I had this idea of what family really looked like, and then kind of having my own family and seeing how things kind of come together. It's really interesting to uh, to think that you you have an idea of what something really supposed to look like, and then it completely gets changed as uh, as time goes. So, right now I have a uh, I have three children. Uh, my my daughters Adriana and Isabella, and. Uh, and Sebastian, who I'm going to get to here in a moment. But um, earlier in the year, I didn't, you know, my wife and I had uh, experienced a miscarriage. I shared that with with many of you here. And uh, although it was a trying time, I realized that um, that you know I wasn't in control. We 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 never really were. We had aspirations to extend our family. Um, just wasn't going to go the way that we had planned. Uh, earlier in that year, previous in November, our son was actually born unbeknownst to us, and um, we had just been kind of seeing through the process and identifying our role and responsibilities therein. Uh, it was actually my nephew at the time, so it's uh, my, my brother-in-law, who's uh, um, one of the three boys that's actually adopted from Russia from uh, my, um, my father-in-law. And um, so just to kind of really see through that, you know, we had two girls and, you know, just like a, a selfish kind of guy, kind of wanted a son, and I was thinking, you know, you know, as we were kind of planning for a third, if I had a choice, I, w I certainly would have liked a boy, but we all go with the, interestingly enough, you know, healthy and everything else, and there's certainly truth to that. But the long and the short of it is, is um, you know, just the process that really went through. So my, our grandmother uh, got sick earlier in the year, and um, I just remember we had been in the hospital, and uh, she was kind of, you know, just coming out of surgery, and she, you know, she was just able to kind of speak and letting us know how, how she was doing. And my wife and I were just asking her how she was feeling. And she just kind of looked over at us and, uh, and said, you know, I, uh, you know, God has your baby. And, um, and he's going to be giving you Sebastian. We had no idea um, that it would even be a possibility for us to even adopt. It never really came across as, as something that would be an option. So just right then and there it was an extremely powerful moment for for myself and my wife and my family and um uh i would say that you know two weeks later it, there was an opportunity for us to just kind of help out um because at this point she had just been released from the hospital and needed to be um with her son you know my father-in-law and uh and mother-in-law uh so for them to take care of a 90 year old woman in a nine nine month old uh you know uh, baby would be uh quite quite challenging so we stepped up to try to just help them in the interim 
We were also at the time helping a, uh, my brother-in-law, his girlfriend, who happened to be pregnant at the time, with their, and they also had a uh, four-year-old living in my house. So we figured, why not just add another baby to the mix with my other two at the time while we're trying to sell our house because we didn't have enough room as it is. Um, so, you know, when you're thinking about a lot of these things, you know, and then I guess, you know, I can continue on and on about the process, but the, the long and the short of it is, you know, we had the opportunity to, uh, to become his parents, and um, on September 30th, it became legal by the state that we are officially his, uh, his, uh, his parents. Um, so... Another little caveat, right? So we love the name Sebastian. It was always going to be the name that we chose. Um, it, the day that he was born, he was actually named, I believe it was Carter, and they changed it the day of. Um, it, just interestingly enough, other, obviously, like, God's work throughout this whole process, but just to think, I don't know how many people you know named Sebastian other than the crab or the, um, <laughs> you know, the ne never-ending story or, um, um, or even the cruel intentions, but those are the only three that I can think of. But... <laughs> We, we really, really loved the name. We, that was something that we always wanted. Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, I have a son named Sebastian James Hendricks. He's as much as my son as, as any other way that we would have become a part of our family and our life. So what I, what I ask of all of you and what I think about is to understand what does family mean, right? Family means trust and responsibility, accountability. It's about being there for each other. You know, we talk about even to cultivate uh, the kids. My, my, all of my kids here are all part of this process, right? And just being able to say that, you know, even though I raised, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know in, the, in the Catholic Church and my parents go to church every single day and I, you know, I think that that's fantastic. But I, I also believe that I was rooted in, in Christ, right? And I was able to be able to see that as an opportunity, as an investment in me as a young child to now to be able to minister to my children as well as the church and everyone else that I can. So I, I, I look at everyone here and try to figure out what is it that we do with our time and, um, and, and how much that we really realize how blessed we are in, in a variety of ways. So this is a great opportunity to just you know, pour into the, the young children that are out there. As far as you think about the construct of the church as a present day, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's harder, much harder for, for the children to really have that op appetite for, for, for Christ and for the church. And it's our responsibility as Christians, as, as leaders, as part of the family, to really uh, give them that opportunity to see that, right? So not just on a Sunday, but every single day. What I also realized at being here is that the church is not on Sunday. The church is the family that's every day of the week. Um, and that was something that was absolutely tremendous, just to be able to see that. So I, I just, I'm really, really grateful uh, for that. And, um, you know, I ask a lot of you, we think about Black Friday and all the different th crazy things that we do to try to get, you know, we, we say we don't have enough time in a day, but we're willing to get up at 3 in the morning to go get a TV for 40% for off. And, and then what do we do with that TV? We just sit in front of it and watch football all day, and my team's not any good right now. But the, the uh, but at the same time, we, we come together, we laugh, we have a good time. So what is it that we're investing in financially? What is it that we're investing in with our time? What are our priorities? Um, a big, big thing that I have right now, I manage a team um, of sales uh, professionals, and uh, they, the, the, you know, the greatest ability uh, is availability, and your actions reveal your priorities, right? So what is it that you're actually doing? What are you investing in every day? And what is it all about? 
and if it's just really about you, I, don't, I think that it's really only going to get you so far. Um, it, you really need to invest in other people. You need to be able to understand where you uh, allocate your time and resources. And um, I, I think that I've been called in that opportunity uh, to be able to be a family to these individuals as well. Because, uh, let's face it, the, the resources that they have um, aren't necessarily the ones that I think are going to be uh, conducive of a, of, a, of a healthy environment. So I wanted to share just this last verse here um, that I think really just kind of sums everything up. It's in Proverbs. It's, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and, and lean not on thine understanding. Um, in all ways acknowledge him and, and you shall, your, uh, shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. No one's in control. Stop trying to do it. You're wasting your time. I think another thing that I direct people with is, is you got to understand what you know, there's only certain things you can control, so try to do really well with that, and that's being a good role model and example to your children, not just my, you know, children as a father, but the children of the church, the children of the world. We are all in need. Um, Barbara Streisand said people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. I'm not a real big Barbara Streisand fan, but it's the truth. We need each other, and, um, you know, don't, don't try to shy away from that. You know, everyone, you know, I think for a large part of my life, I always wanted to do everything myself because it was better that way. The greatest uh, day of my life was when I stopped worrying about me and stopped wanting to be the best and started caring about other people. So um, I'm grateful to share this story with you. Thank you for being a blessing to my children. And um, my son will be dedicated this coming Sunday, and I'm excited to share that with you. And I'm asking you as well to help bring him into the church and show him the way as well as my children and uh, my other daughters and, and everyone else for that matter. Thank you. Let's take a moment to pray for Jim and, and De Dina. Lord, we don't presume upon your blessing and your grace, but Lord, we just rejoice in what you've done. Out of uh, difficulty and, and pain, Lord, that uh, you brought such blessing and hope. We thank you for Sebastian. Lord, we ask your blessing upon him, even as we know that you are doing that. And for... Jim and Dina and, and the family, Lord. May your blessing rest upon them. May they know you each day and each hour. May you give Jim the, the courage and strength, Lord, to be the man that, that he knows he is in you. May you give Dina, Lord, the patience, the strength, Lord. And... We just pray for that family that it would blossom and flourish for you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the true embodiment of, of family and father, Lord. We, we just look to you, not to our past, not to our own experiences, Lord, but that you would lead us forward and you would lead Jim and Dina forward for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, that's true <laughs> in a number of ways. I know it's true in my own heart, my own life. Um, the more I 
walk along with Jesus, the more I realize I fall short of all that he intended for me, the more I need the cross. And the more uh, I need the cross, the more I look to it, and the more he showers his grace upon me again and renews my heart and my passion for him and reminds me of the grace that he's been given me. And that's true of all of us. And, and, um, there, but particularly, I, I saw this song kind of come up and, and um, I, I was thinking about the people that I felt like God was calling to, to share and, uh, and Kim's name kept coming to mind. I'll have her come up as this, I, I introduce her. Uh, but P- Kim Picana has uh, been part of our community for the last year or so. And she actually came, I didn't realize this until I talked to her, but for the first time a year ago today, uh, when we were sharing stories, and, and um, for whatever reason, she wasn't scared off by that. <laughs> um, and uh, she stuck with our, our community, has been uh, part of it ever since. And um, I kept, as I was praying through, okay, God, who do you want to share? Who do you want to use uh, in this Sunday? Kim's name just kept coming to mind over and over and over again. And uh, I was a little apprehensive to ask her because I know she's been through a lot this year. And, uh, and, and in being through a lot, I, I just thought, well, maybe she's not ready. You know, how will she react? And so I ultimately got up the courage to do it and, uh, and asked her. And, and I think the first thing that you said was, uh, before I even, like, told you what it was about, you said, yes, I think God's calling me to share. <laughs> Um, and so she's been very gracious to do that. I'll let her share her story. Hello, everyone. Um, first, I am not a speaker. And more important than that, I am not a sharer. I do not share. I do not talk. Um, and so it's super hard for me, um, especially because the subject is uh, one that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to hear it. And nobody knows what to say. And um, my story is about drug addiction. And it has been touched my family many, many times over the years, since I was a child. And uh, it never seems to go away. And uh, I tried for many, many years to... um, obviously changed my whole life and make a difference for my children. I have four, and I was very fortunate enough to have two more children. Um, And so I've been working very hard at their lives, and um, for a long time, everything was great. We were the perfect family, went to church on Sundays, and had great, lived in a nice suburban house, Kids were in Christian school, Iwana, everything was great. And then uh, my first daughter got in trouble, and um, and I, I guess I just thought at first that was, I mean, horrible. But I thought, all right, it's 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 one we can do this. She was a Christian, and I thought things would be okay. Um, and. Uh, she did give me two beautiful children to raise, and so I know what adoption is too. And um, and then my other kids were doing good. I um, have a son that's a police officer and a daughter that's also a Christian. She's married and lives in Colorado. And I have a, another daughter. Um, her name's Jessica, and she 
was actually the first one to went to college. She's my third, but she was the first one to go to college and complete. All she wanted to be was a teacher. And um, she got addicted to uh, pain medication in college. And from there, it got worse. And she uh, managed to graduate with honors. She was a functioning addict, I guess people call it. And um, she got a great teaching job. And in her third year of teaching, I was watching her life fall apart. Me and my husband did everything that parents do. We Googled every article. We read. We prayed. We had interventions. We've gone through detox and outpatient rehabs, and we've done everything. And Jessica just was not ready. And... Um, and we also do what other parents do too we hide, we lie for her we cover for her we were ashamed and embarrassed that this happened to two of my children and I couldn't understand why God was just taking my kids I, I, I took it very personal very personal it was the one thing that I wanted least in of that happened to my kids. I know all parents do, but when it's around your family forever, it, it was the very worst thing I think that could have happened to me. To me. And so I struggled with that. I was very angry and, and ashamed. And then I found myself being bitter and resentful. And, and then... Um, she she lost her job, and that was a horrible year because then everybody knew, my friends knew, all her friends knew, all her friends were my good friends. And, uh, I mean, I shut myself off from the world, but I had good friends that nobody called me, nobody wanted to say, nobody knew what to say to me. If Jessica had been diagnosed with leukemia, everybody would have known what to do. But because she was a drug addict, nobody knew what to say to me. And I didn't know what to say to anybody. And so I closed myself off more. And then um, that year was just horrible. And then uh, November 11th last year, she um, what I told my children is that she made a big grown-up mistake. She broke a grown-up rule. And she was arrested. And uh, I still have not said out loud, only but a few people, but I have never said out loud what. Um, and she was arrested, and she was in prison for, well, three weeks before we knew what to do. But during that time, we, I was still, I was so angry. I was just going to leave her there. And then uh, we just, just I don't even know what we did the three weeks. It's a dream and um, a nightmare, I should say. And then uh, sh we, my next door neighbor is a very good friend of ours, also an attorney, but a civil attorney. And so he recommended us go talk to somebody. So my husband went and hired a lawyer, and we talked to him, and... I told Jessica during that time, she kept calling me. There was days I didn't even accept her phone call. 
And then um, I did, and I told her that I would only bail her out if she went directly to a Christian rehab, directly. And uh, she agreed. Of course she would. She was desperate at that point. But I knew it was God where God wanted her. Um, I knew it was what God wanted. I knew he didn't want her to get change her life there. I mean, I know God works in prison, but I just knew she needed a Christian rehab facility. And because I've spent two years researching, I knew exactly where to go. And beds aren't always available. But it was the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, it was the day, two days before Thanksgiving. And I called Bridges of Hope in Georgia, and they had a bed. And then um, it was $800 a month. I had no idea where that was going to come from. But we agreed to bring her there. She agreed to go. We bailed her out day before Thanksgiving, got in the car and drove straight to Bridges of Hope. And we left her there, and I drove back on Thanksgiving night. And uh, when we first got in the car, I spent three hours. Me and my husband didn't say a word, and I just cried for three hours. I mean, I cried because of where we got to at that point, but I, I cried because I was so thankful that she was there. There was a part of me... When all this was going on, one of the police officers said to me, you should be happy that we're here just telling you she's arrested instead of telling you we found her dead somewhere. And uh, I was so angry at that point. I thought, I don't even know if I even believed that at that point. And so on the way home, uh, because I just thought she was going to have a horrible life ahead of her after what she did, I just thought her life would never... I'd rather be with God at that point. I just figured she would be. But anyway, I was just felt so thankful that she was at Bridges of Hope. She did not have to stay there. She could have ran at any moment. It was not mandated by the court. And when we bailed her out, we were we had to put money out of our house. We were taking a huge step, a huge step. If if we bailed her out and we dropped her there and she ran. But she didn't. And so on the way home, I, for like three hours, it was total silence in our car. And I just cried. But I was thankful. I leaned over and turned the radio on for I have no idea what reason. I don't even know what state I was in. I don't even know radio stations. But the first song that was on were just these praise and worship songs. And I listened to them all the way home. It was the first time in a long time that I think I was really, really praying and being thankful for my kids. And I could not stop listening to them. I listened to them nonstop. It was the very thing that brought me to God because it was the only way that I could pray. I didn't even know how to pray to God at this point. So through every song, I was either praying or he was speaking just to me. No other person in the world was listening to those radios but me. And I went home. We got home that Friday night. I spent the whole next day Saturday praying and listening to music. I was afraid to shut it off. I was afraid I wouldn't know. I, I had to keep listening. And I had visited this church several times before. Um, Stephanie's my niece, and I, I've been here several times. And that Saturday night... 
I can't even go to say this out loud because I don't I never said this out loud, but God just said to me, just wake up and go to cultivate. You know that church. That church is the one that you love the music. Just go there. And somehow I woke up Sunday morning and we went to church. And I haven't missed a Sunday. And I love it here and I love the music here. And um I think Pastor Jay at one point thought I was some kind of stalker because every Sunday I'd come home and I'd say, did you write that? How did you know that I needed to hear that this Sunday? And then I'd say, how did you know I needed that? I'm telling you every Sunday for a year. I just could not believe that God even knew that the whole year that he had planned speaking was exactly what I needed to hear. And... um and then a couple weeks ago, oh, and then so we, Jessica stayed there the whole six months, and she was saved at Bridges of Hope. And she had the opportunity to get involved in uh, different jobs around there, and then they put her in the office, and she even had the opportunity to counsel other women or parents who were calling in desperation, trying to find a place for their children to go. And she said, Mom, I know exactly how you felt now. Um, I had I I was talking to mothers that were just crying on the phone, trying to find a place for their daughter to go. She finished the program in six months. She was home all summer, and she came to church here most Sundays. And um, she was baptized a couple weeks ago. And that very next week, she uh, we went to court, and she. Uh, It took me a long time to say I was a mother of a drug addict, and it's today I am going to say for the first time I am now a mother of an incarcerated daughter. And i that's where my story just ends. I do not know what to do with that. I do not know what I'm supposed to do with that. But I, I almost feel like uh, if I don't say it out loud, um, I'm never going to heal and I'm never going to grow, and I'm never going to be able to help anybody else. Uh, one thing I do know is I'm not the only person that has a daughter or a son like that. Um, we're all just ashamed to admit it, and we're afraid of what people are going to think. And um, she's only been there two weeks, and I, uh, the one thing I know, and I told her that Last year, my Thanksgiving prayer for her was when I, when I dropped her off was, um, it was last Thanksgiving's prayer, and it was this Thanksgiving prayer, and it's going to be for the next six years, Thanksgiving prayer. And that's in uh, Philippians and one six is being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Um, I know I can't let my present um, condition rob me of growing closer to Jesus. I told her that, and um, I have to keep telling myself that over and over. Um, She did start her life um, at Bridges of Hope, and with God's grace, I, I got to watch her grow. When she went to court on two weeks ago, the judge said, you know, tell they knew where she was for six months and everything she's done and she said what are your goals now and she said to continue what God wants me to do there what God started in me 
I'm going to continue it. I hope to get involved there. Um, they told us she'd probably end up in the program to help other girls get their GED because she was a teacher. So I felt hopeful about that because I was pretty angry about her college education that I'm still paying for. <laughs> but if she can use it there, um, that, that would be great. Um, and then my verse that was helping me through in Isaiah 40, 28, 29, was the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And um, where we're headed now, I have no idea. This is this. My story is really, some of it's ending, some of it is just beginning. So in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, it declares to the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And in verse 13, he promises if we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. Um, and I knew it. I knew it the day I dropped her off. I knew it the day I found praise and worship songs. And and I, and I totally believe this. I just don't know how, though, yet, because it seems almost impossible. But I heard one time that if a, a man can predict his own, birth, his own birth and his own death, I got nothing after that. So there's, that's it. And um, I think that's it. So thank you. We want to pray for you and with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for the ways which you show yourself. Even through the, Lord, our deepest hurts. Lord, surely you have borne our grief. You carry it. Thank you that Kim's identity is not as the mother of a daughter who's incarcerated, but as the child of the everlasting God. Lord, I just thank you for her honesty and her courage and the faith that so strongly points to you, God, even through a story that, Lord, was shared as not, not really having a full resolution at this time, God, but... We thank you that, Lord, you're still in the process of telling this story, God, and showcasing your grace and your love and your mercy. Lord, and we just, we pray your blessing upon Kim right now. Lord, we trust you for the healing that you have already begun, God, and we know that you will bring to completion God, and we just lift up Jessica. We lift up 
God, we just know that you're going to use her in wonderful ways, Lord, and we pray as her church body that we can support her in any way possible. Lord, and we commit Kim and our family to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. How are we doing? You ready for one more? All right. We have one more. Josh and Corey, would you come up? And, it, and as many of your kids as you can fit up here if you want to bring them too. But. <laughs> There's not enough room. Cool. Hi, everyone. The, let me just, do I have to hold this? Just let me hold it. That's good. The turkey's in, and there's no fire, so we're good. Sean Brooks is going to be doing that from now on. <laughs> he, he got duped in. Good job, John. Um, he's out there now watching it. But um, We've been coming to church here for two and a half years, so since before this one was born. So we have five kids. They're all here. You probably all know them. Um, so we, Jay, we actually, I shared last year my story, and I'm here again. Um, Corey's here this time. But um, maybe share a little bit of that, the, the abbreviated version, and then what God's been doing in our lives here over the past couple months. If we get upset, you're just going to have to deal with it and give us some tissues. But we, um, growing up, I was uh, in a home where my dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I left home when I was 16 and lived in my car, uh, a Dodge Neon that I named Bruce. Um, and finished high school in that car. Um, became a Christian young and wanted to follow Christ. Um, when I made the decision to live in my car, really drove towards him. And that's been kind of revealed. Drove towards my father in heaven not, and away from my, my earthly father. And that's kind of been illuminated here over the past couple months. Um, and continue to seek after him. You know, times I'd have to sleep in a parking lot or in a, you know, on the side of the road or steal a room for a hotel that I was working at or um, things like that. So that was, that was pretty rough. Um, but God's provided for us. What? Okay. Um, we, um, it wasn't until I got into college and I met Corey that I finally had a place to live nonstop. So... It was funny, we started dating, and her parents opened up a room in their house for me and said, you can stay here and you don't have to leave. Um, so from when I was 16 until 12 years ago, really, um, that's really, so 16 to, how old am I now? 16 to 21-ish. Um, no, no, I'm saying 16 to 21 is I, I was living in my car, but then uh, finally landed at her house. And just showing that God had provided for, for me all the way, and um, Corey would be able to say the same thing, that God has provided for her throughout uh, her life. Um, we, I went to Bible school, um, got a, went to school for too long, got lots of lots of school. Um, three very expensive pieces of paper in my house. Um, but wanted to go into ministry, felt called to the ministry, was in youth ministry for a while. Hey, Knox, sit down. Um, and we, we did that for about six, six and a half years. Uh, you guys might have heard that story when 
I got a chance to share um, this summer, um, and we did we did ministry, and it, it was good and rough, and we said enough. <laughs> we we had seen the politics of the church out there in a small church, and we were pretty angry. We were um, we were pretty angry and upset that things went the way they did, um, and we were in Nevada, in the middle of Nevada, and. Uh, away from everything we knew and we felt called out there to do ministry and it just didn't end well um came back here to new jersey um and started with chick-fil-a and i like chick-fil-a um a lot and you guys like chick-fil-a too i assume right (laughs) good um when i took the job at chick-fil-a um i took a pay cut so when i was a a youth minister out in Nevada, in the middle of gold country, I was making almost $50,000 a year. For youth pastors, that's a lot. Um, and I came back to New Jersey and accepted a $10 an hour job at a Chick-fil-A, a fast food place. To me, a fast food place. And I said, thanks for the job, but I'm looking for something. In my mind, I'm saying I'm looking for something else. We, so it started there. And you see baby? A binky? Anyone have a binky? Binky, stat. <laughs> it's on its way. Okay, great. Um, we, <laughs> so I started Chick-fil-A, and, um, you know, we wrestled with whether or not that's what God wanted us to do. We had taken a step of faith and moved our family from New Jersey to rural Nevada, where the population was 8,000 people, and there's nothing but desert surrounding us for hours, and... We felt as if, wow, this didn't work. Um, what are we? Are we going against what God wanted us to do? Why am I working at, you know, a chicken store? Um, why am I doing that, God? Why am I am I following your plan? Am I going against your will? Um, and that was kind of rough. Um, but shortly after being with Chick Fil A, I realized that um, Chick Fil A was like no other company I've ever been a part of or would never even imagine. It's so much more than a, a, a place where you sell chicken sandwiches. We do that, but um, it's a place that changed my perspective on life. I heard the story of the founder, Truett Cathy, who grew up in the Great Depression selling Coke bottles for a nickel apiece for a five-cent profit, and his father never loved him, never said he loved him, um, and he raised by his mother, and started this great company uh, based on humility and generosity and a purpose that you might, if you ask me, I'll I'll tell you anyway, but it's to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's been entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all that come in contact with Chick-fil-A. That's that's what I get to work with. Um, That's pretty amazing for, uh, you know, a company that's for profit. People say it's Jesus chicken, but we want to sell as much chicken as we can. (laughs) <laughs> for Jesus or not. Um, and, but it's just a, an amazing opportunity to um, be a part of something that's so much bigger than, than what I thought it was, just you know, running a register at a, at a restaurant. Um, when we came back, we, we joined a, a huge church, Simon Grace, over there, uh, Marlton. Um, Corey's sisters both go there. And it was good for us because we literally... Um, when I when I was a pastor out there in Nevada, I would you know do the announcements, I'd do the opening prayer, p- 
play the guitar, sing, make sure the sound was okay, preach, do the clo- I mean, it was a one-man show at times. Um, and Corey was involved with the youth ministry and um, women's ministry and just so involved. Um, and we just need a place to heal and blend in. And Sovereign Grace uh, provide that opportunity for us for a couple years. Um, when we were ready to get involved back in ministry, there really wasn't a place for us. We didn't fit in that, that sense. Um, so at Corey's, uh, what year? Ten-year ten year anniversary? Uh, reunion. Um, Ten-year anniversary of her graduating high school. Um, uh, we, we, Aaron and Steph, are they here? Oh, they were here. I see you. Uh, sat there and ate jerk chicken at the Jamaican Jerk House down in Philly. And Aaron told me about this place. I'd never met him before. Um, and we were here the next Sunday and haven't gone anywhere else. Um, we've, we've come to love this place um, a lot. Our family's here. This is our family. Um, you know, Corey has her family here, and, and obviously through marriage, they're my family, but you guys are my family here. I don't have much family home. Um, we... So, uh, I don't know how to deflect to stop crying, but um, so recently I, I became an owner of a Chick-fil-A, so that's what I worked on for five years. Uh, I'll get back to that, the, the blubbery stuff, but um, I worked for five years, 60, 70 hours a week. There was a time when I was down there working in Dover, Delaware, that I, I wasn't, uh, whatever, in Delaware. Um, I wasn't eating, it's kind of hard to believe, but I would just work and uh, one day I passed out because I wasn't eating. Uh, I was on hour 74 of uh, the week on a Saturday with eight hours left to go and um, it's a lot of hard work, but we, we realized an opportunity to, to own a Chick-fil-A and that's pretty crazy. Um, I This year, 30,000 people applied to become Chick-fil-A owner-operators, and they picked 80. So it's quite the, <laughs> the odds are were against me. Um, and was blessed to be that, be part of that, that company. And um, with that, we have to move. Um, we prayed, and everyone, could, everyone that's here that, that's been talking to us, you know that we prayed for a, an opportunity around here. Um, but... That's just not the way God had it in his plan for us. So we're moving to Jackson, Tennessee, um, here at the end of the year. Uh, and this will be the last day I'm here. Maybe, I should be here. Maybe I'll be here for Christmas Eve. I don't know. But we hope. Uh, it's In a mall down in Jackson, Tennessee, it's hard to, to leave a Chick-fil-A because that's when it's busy. But um, we, we've seen that God's provided for us. And in... In a tough situation that we were in when we came back from Nevada, we were living in two bedrooms, sharing a house with Corey's grandparents. Um, we've my, our kids don't know anything else but living communally with with family. We've always done that. Um, maybe Josh was the only one, but it was six months. He was six months old that he lived not with family. So um, God's provided us a place to live. It's not our plan or what we would. Um, probably choose, but he's always provided for us, um, always provided for us, even when I was in a neon, 
underneath a light pole. Um, and he provided this family for us. We, um, what I say is it's hard to, it's easy for me to say goodbye to everyone else except for here. Because when you see God work in tangible, applicable ways, ways that I can say, wow, this is the place that God's really provided for us. And I'm not saying that making the church an idol or any of you guys idols to us, um, but when we're at our lowest, this church provide healing, it provided family, just like you guys are talking about in the, in the series here, that we would be a family of missionary disciples on mission to the communities around here and for Christ uh, in the universal church. Um, I'm so bought into that. I see so many exciting things happen at this church. I see faces here. I mean, I've been gone for a month, but um, I see faces that I don't know in here, and it makes me upset because <laughs> I don't get to know you. I don't get I don't I don't get to know who you are um, on a deeper level. Um, we're so thankful for that, um, for the way you guys have opened your lives to us, have provided for our needs. Um, I haven't gotten paid a paycheck since October. Um, we've had financial needs, and some of you helped. And I, I don't know how to thank you. We don't know how to thank you. Um, I. But just, we just wanted to show, I mean, we're thankful for Thanksgiving, you know. Um, we're thankful for so many things and showing how God's provided for us throughout. Um, do you want to hear? She's going to be worse than I was. So, <laughs> like crying, crying-wise. Does that help? Does that help or hurt? It doesn't matter. I'm mad at you. <laughs> I was only told, like, when I got here that I was going to have to be sharing. So, I think that was a little, a little unfair. So I apologize for my rambling and my blubbering. Um, But one of my, well, this is the first thing I have to say. And this is growing up in a Christian home, but also getting to know the culture of Chick-fil-A. Please, please ask people what their stories are. There are so many people that you see every Sunday or that you go to cultivate groups with or whatever. And you know bits and pieces, but you don't know their story. And everybody has a good story because every story should be centered around the gospel. And that's a good story. So please ask, please share um, bits and pieces if you can. Go out for coffee, put the kids to bed, make your husband stay home, and go share your story. Um, Get on a group text message and share your story. Just talk about God because you never know who needs to hear it. You never know who's going to speak into your life. And you never know how God's going to bless it. So just do it. Um, so that's the first thing I have to say. Second thing I have to say is... It's um, Sorry. God has put us on this amazing journey, Josh and I together. But one of the greatest things that I love is that although this journey has been together with him, my journey is so different than his. God has worked in his life in amazing ways and has shown him so many things and grown him in so many ways. But my growing and my struggles were so different from his, even though we were on the same path. So I just, I'm really, I feel really blessed to, um, to go along this journey with him, but also that God has grown me in my own way. So he shared about when we left Nevada, um, there was a, a passage, I 
It's in my Bible down there, but I left it. Um, and it talks about to be anxious about nothing and through thanksgiving request, um, present your request to God. And that was really hard for me when we came back from Nevada because I was really mad at the church. I was really bitter at believers. I was really mad at the people who call themselves Christians and who discarded us. I was really broken by that. So I would cry every time I went to church in New Jersey at Sovereign because I was so angry. I didn't want to be there, but but Josh said we have to go to a church, so we're going to go. And so we packed up our kids. Every Sunday we went to church, and I would just sit there and cry and cry and cry and cry because I was so mad. Fast forward four or five years, now I cry at church because I'm so happy every week. Now this crying is a little bit of both because I'm so happy to be here. I'm so blessed to have you guys. You watch my kids, and they're a handful. You send pizza to my doorstep when I just can't cook anymore. You do my laundry because I have five kids. Little envelopes just show up at my house so I can buy groceries. I mean, the blessings are endless, and it's all thanks to you guys. And in so many ways... She's going to try. Can I have it back, please? Thank you. Um, so that's my babbling. I'm very, I'm very thankful. I wouldn't change my story. I wouldn't eliminate any part of it. I wouldn't fast forward through any of it because ultimately, God, to God be the glory. And, um, this past summer, ever like a year, Josh hurt his hand and couldn't work at Chick-fil-A. So I went back to work. I never thought I'd have to do that, but I did. And I worked at Chick-fil-A. And I have an amazing staff whom I love and I've, who have also blessed our family. Um, and then he's been gone since, since before that. Since he was on grand openings anyway and he was living in hotels and there was a lot of times where people can I have that please thank you be like I don't know how you do it and um and it wasn't me doing it it was always God and it was always God using somebody to get me through it um so I'm eternally grateful for that and we have been on the receiving end of a lot of blessings, and we cannot wait to be on the giving end of that. So we hope to not to be in Tennessee forever. If that's where God wants us forever, that's where we're prepared to go. It's where we're prepared to stay. It's where we're prepared to find another church family and grow and love them. But meanwhile, we will still be growing and loving you guys. Um, we will be praying for you. We will be supporting you guys as you go to Haiti. Um, because ultimately, we're, again, we're rooted in the gospel, and that doesn't change, and that doesn't waver. So I know that there's, um, I apologize if this is your first Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but we eat a lot of food here, 
And we have a lot of good fellowship. So I encourage you to keep coming back. And like I said before, ask questions, share your story, serve in the children's ministry. It is so worth it. I'm going to miss hanging out with Annabelle's amazing spirit and hearing what Declan has to say every week. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. So yes, they will be down five kids, but they will also be down one helper. So we need, everybody's replaceable. So please replace me. (laughs) Yeah. And thank you. I mean, we, and I just want to just accentuate and we wish we were still here to be a part of what's going on. Um, with this past sermon series, we, we were leading a group and man, we're going to miss them. Um, and we would, we're so bought into this church model. I mean, it's like nothing I've ever experienced with how God is working and, and we're just so excited for, I'm jealous of what you guys get to experience here. Um, for God, for, for Christ, for the kingdom, for the gospel. Um, get involved. Um, you won't regret it. And uh, thank you so much for, for your prayers and your support and being that, that tangible example of God's provision in our lives. Thank you guys for, for sharing and for being part of our family for the last two and a half years and, and all that you've, I mean, you haven't just been on the receiving end. You guys have been on the giving end. You've given quite a bit um, as God has given to you, and you've led people, and you've uh, discipled people, and you've shared the gospel, and you've seen people come to faith in Christ and grown them up to be leaders. And so you've left an imprint on us just as we have on you. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of being part of the same family and God using all of us to do that. So thank you guys. Um, We're going to pray for them because I feel like this is a bit of a commissioning. We're we're not just, um, which is such a beautiful redemption of of what God has been able to do. And I just think of, you know, the the way that you you left, you know, the the church in Nevada broken and um, resentful and and wondering, God, what what are you doing? And and this time you're, you're being sent out from a church to do what God has called you to do from people that are, are praying for you and supporting you and, and cheering you on to do that. So I just feel like, man, if anyone's story has come full circle, it's you guys. And so we're, we're just blessed to be a part of that. So we're going to pray for them and, um, and then uh, sing a, a, another song or two, right? Mm-hmm. Father, thank you for uh, Josh and Corey. Thank you for their kids. Thank you for the, the great blessing that they've been to us as a family. Um, Thank you for all the ways that you've healed them and, and restored them and used them and, um, and built them up and now are sending them out. I pray, God, that you would empower them by your spirit uh, to influence people in Tennessee for the sake of the gospel and for, uh, for the glory of our King Jesus. So, God, thank you for all your goodness as displayed in their life. pray that you would um, make them good parents and good neighbors and, and um, disciple makers so that others would know you and uh, and do the same. Live a, a life after the life that they see modeled in Josh and Corey. 